Welcome back to Pod TST. I'm Kenneth Arthur. Lead voice, I suppose, is my uh, unofficial title here. It might be an official title. I'm not sure. At Turf Show Times, a LA Rams blog. And you knew that if you're listening to this, probably. And today, I want to talk about the Rams offense and defense. I wrote about this on Turf Show Times this week. Kind of didn't have any commentary, just a little bit of commentary on all of those players and positions. And I wanted to leave it up to you, the TST community, to sort of fill in the blanks, say what you thought what made sense, didn't make sense, what the biggest needs were. Uh, we had a poll at the end of that article, and it said, how many games do you think this team would win? And 50% of the voters have said 10 or 11 games, just like the Rams did this past season. And 21% had a 12-plus win, while 25% said this team is more in the 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven range. But only 4%, so 96% of voters see the Rams as at least being 500. Probably more like uh, a good 90% see the Rams having a winning record, which is very optimistic. Not that it isn't warranted, it's just very optimistic. And not a lot of Rams fans or voters, at least, uh, only 4% said that they thought the team would post a losing record with this offense and defense. And I tend to agree because... The Rams, with the addition of Matthew Stafford, certainly look like the best team in the NFC West to me. It's it's certainly that I like Matthew Stafford, but I think that the bigger part of the picture that most people are missing is the difference between Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. This isn't just what Matthew Stafford is. This is what Jared Goff has been for the last two, two and a half years Back to the Super Bowl and uh, even before that, and I think that a lot of people still seem to believe it's hard for most people, a lot of writers, to give up their draft beliefs, even in the face of so much evidence against them in the NFL. And I think that a lot of people seem to think that Jared Goff is a, like, that it's Matthew Stafford's 1A and Jared Goff is 1B, or Matthew Stafford is uh, 2 and Jared Goff is 3. You know, th it's more like Matthew Stafford is 2 and Jared Goff is 8, and this is on a uh, six-point scale. So, obviously, I'm exaggerating. Some people don't like that I have said Jared Goff is bad. I'm not Jared Goff bashing. I I, I try. I'm, I'm always trying to give my very just whatever of general like an opinion of a player unbiased and there was no bias uh, that I had for Jared Goff I there's a lot of quarterbacks around the league who I like and the you know Patrick Mahomes <laughs> uh, which not a lot of again not a lot of people agree with me there but I do think that Jared Goff just wasn't as great of a fit for Sean McVay I think as a lot of people would have expected back in 2017 and 2018, I think that Jared Goff was a fit for that version of Sean McVay, but he is no longer a fit for Sean McVay, who is going to have to adapt with the NFL as the NFL evolves. We see the great quarterbacks evolve, and I don't think we saw Jared Goff evolve in the last couple of years with the way of the rest of the league. And even with, you know, the rise of play action passing and its effectiveness, his did not seem to get any better. In fact, it just seemed to get worse and worse. His ability to make plays 
off of that play action to move the ball. And even when the Rams were able to run the ball effectively, Jared Goff became such an afterthought in the offense. In fact, the more that Cam Akers was able to run the ball, the more that uh, the less Jared Goff seemed to even matter. It was uh, he was an afterthought. He wasn't got the guy that we were talking about after the game. We were talking about Cam Akers. We were talking about the defense, and we were just trying our best to pretend that Jared Goff, yeah, well, he's not killing the team. Yeah, but in the NFL right now, you do need quarterbacks who do more than just not kill the team. They need to, in the playoffs, they need to win the game. Aaron Rodgers against the Rams. You know, uh, just the fact that, you know, we had Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl and Josh Allen in the AFC Championship game. You know, there's so many uh, different quarterbacks to – that was just a tangent that I think I didn't have anywhere to go with it, so I'm going to stop it there. Not going to edit it out, but I'm going to get right to the proposed offense right now here. So let's talk about the Rams' potential starting offense if no other changes were made today, including, of course, Matthew Stafford as the quarterback – Running back Cam Akers, I think those two are set in stone as are Robert Woods and Cooper Cup as the top two receivers. So right there, when you're looking at that uh, square, you know, it couldn't be a triangle because it's four players. Uh, maybe it's some sort of rectangle or obelisk, oblique. And anyway, those four guys uh, would seem to give the Rams uh, a major advantage offensively in the NFC West, I think that Matthew Stafford has an argument, you know, certainly for being, he's at least the number two quarterback in the NFC West. And he might that next season, who knows, he might actually outperform Russell Wilson now that he's on the Rams and not stuck in Detroit and Russell Wilson's, you know, frustrations with the Seahawks and the Seattle's frustrations. I think also with Russell Wilson will, potentially open the door for Matthew Stafford to even be the best quarterback in the division next year. And so that's something to be excited about as well as just the fact that Matthew Stafford's at least again, not should be at least number two, maybe Kyler Murray takes that huge step forward. Can't rule it out obviously. And we don't know if the 49ers will acquire a quarterback of note, but that will still be a challenge as it is for any other team. So right now, Matthew Stafford does give the Rams, I think, the uh, notch up above the Seahawks and the 49ers and the Cardinals right now headed into the offseason, and we'll see how the teams change from there on out. Cam Akers, uh, looking around the division at the running backs there, Kenyon Drake of the Cardinals is a free agent. They gave him the transition tag last year. You're talking about uh, Chris Carson is a free agent with the Seahawks and the 49ers. You know, they've been working there around uh, rotating a lot of guys. And, and, you know, I think Raheem Mostert will be back. Uh, they have Jeff Wilson. You know, uh, again, this could be a position. I think Jarek McKinnon might be a free agent, but this is a position where for the San Francisco 49ers, I think they might even be looking for an upgrade, uh, a high draft pick, maybe something like that even. But right now, Cam Akers looks to be the best running back in the division going into next year. And then you've got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, who I don't think that Robert Woods or Cooper Cup could compete as the best receiver in the division when you've got DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona, DK Metcalf in Seattle, 
we uh, you know maybe DK Metcalf and and, and is, is on the level of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. You know maybe they're around the same value, just doing different things. I think that obviously DK Metcalf, having done it so early in his career and being such a unique size, having such a unique size and speed advantage, who knows what his ceiling could be? But maybe he's also reached it already. And Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, I think, are very reliable in what they do, but also going to be more reliable and more productive with Matthew Stafford as the quarterback, I think, by a significant degree, which, again, I think is the bigger point there with replacing Jared Goff is that Matthew Stafford is such a different quarterback, an upgrade, an ability to do things that Jared Goff does not have the ability to do. And then the 49ers with Debo Samuel, you know, he could be an elite receiver. Brandon Ayuk had a very productive rookie season when he was healthy. So it's very competitive at the receiver position in the NFC West, which is where you do start to say it's not about what receivers you have on your team. It's about what cornerbacks you have on your team in the NFC West. And we do know that with Jalen Ramsey, the Rams have the best and we'll get to him later. But, you know, looking at it from that point of view, I think the Rams, you know, there are some great receiver tandems the Cardinals need to go out and find another guy besides Christian Kirk I think to pair with DeAndre Hopkins but overall I think that why receiver situations looking just very trustworthy and reliable and steady there but I think the Rams do have a need there at wide receiver unless they feel very confident in Van Jefferson's advancement Josh Reynolds is a free agent you know but if they feel confident that Jefferson will be more productive next season with Stafford as the quarterback, who knows? I was thinking about it, too. I was like, maybe Van Jefferson even knew Matthew Stafford when he was a kid. You know, his dad, Sean Jefferson, wide receivers coach for a short period of time. Uh, maybe when he was in high school, Van Jefferson. I mean, given that uh, his dad was an assistant there for those years and uh, he was probably very interested in learning how to be in the NFL. Uh, maybe he brought him around, but uh, there you go. I think that that the biggest need in that group, those three groups would be a number three wide receiver, perhaps, although it might not be that big of a, a concern if they really like Van Jefferson, just the second round pick last year. And then at tight end, Tyler Higby, Bryson Hopkins would be the tight end one, tight end two. Gerald Everett is a free agent. Bryson Hopkins did not, make uh, really any appearances as a rookie. And so it's pinning a lot of hope on the 2024th round pick to be able to fill that Everett role. But, you know, obviously McVay and his staff, they have such a better idea of Hopkins than the rest of the league. You would have thought that maybe if he was a showing something to some degree, they would have put him in the game because the Rams needed offensive help in the playoffs and at the late in the year when they didn't even know if they were going to make the playoffs. So I don't know that you would want to hold that guy back, but he did hold Cam Akers back for maybe too long. So we'll see there. But Tyler Higby not inspiring a ton of confidence in his performance, I think, last year. Nothing like what he had did at the end of 2019, but... Maybe this is something, again, thing where the Rams feel confident with Stafford that uh, Higby will be more productive and a better player. He, he does have his, you know, skills and, and value, but at the amount that he, you know, he got a nice contract extension. I think that veteran tight end, you know, when we're talking about people texting Matthew Stafford, Marvin Jones could fill that spot at wide receiver that I was talking about. And maybe there's a veteran tight end out there who doesn't want a lot of money that would uh, just want a chance to play with Stafford and uh, maybe win a Super Bowl. And then uh, finally, the offensive line. Let's talk about the offensive line because that'll be 
the biggest point of emphasis, emphasis probably in the draft and free agency and trades and all that kind of stuff, even though it is possible that the Rams, again, don't make any big moves along the offensive line, just like they didn't in 2020. A lot of people thought that the Rams would focus their draft efforts or do something to make changes on the offensive line, given the disappointing season that almost all of them pretty much had in 2019, you know, Andrew Whitworth, but he, Andrew Whitworth comes back, plays extremely well at left tackle when he was healthy. Then they had David Edwards at left guard. And when he replaced Joe Noteboom, you know, it looked like he was a pretty good left guard. So they might feel comfortable already there at left tackle and left guard and right tackle Rob Havenstein given the that he also had a better season and he than he did the year before and his contract you know it's signed of where it is it's some savings if they want to move on but it is a lot of pitting a lot of hope on someone else to be able to come in there and play that right tackle position unless you're actually going to upgrade you know i i I would love to say that the rams could acquire orlando brown from the ravens but they can't they don't have the draft capital they don't have the money and they don't have the opening you know he only wants to play left tackle as far as right tackles you never know if the rams might see someone out there but i think havenstein probably sits there and then it's a matter of deciding you know what they want to do at center whether it's move austin corbett back over to center or find a new center or they think that Brian Allen should play center, which I know a lot of Rams fans would say they, I hope that they don't think that. Um, right guard, I, in my mock-up, I had Bobby Evans at right guard. Didn't get a lot of pushback on that. And, you know, I think that's also just because maybe a lot of fans expect or hope that the right guard position will be filled in the draft or the the center position will. As I wrote on Turf Show earlier this week, I don't believe that you should count on the Rams to draft a player who can start at center in 2021. It doesn't happen very often. It's it's super rare. We've seen as a, in the article, you know, it's uh, maybe once every 10 years or once every five years, you can expect that a player will be drafted on, you know, second third fourth round and be starting at center the next year uh or that very year it's it's that rare to do then there are significant challenges in this year's draft or at least as opposed to most other years there will be no scouting combine who knows if this causes a center to fall in the draft and the rams get extremely lucky but you can't make it all the way to may hoping to get lucky in the draft you know they have to they have to go into the draft thinking already this is the team and whatever we get in the draft we will work with it then but this is the team so they have to feel like they have a guy at center before the draft and and if whether if they're not going to go out and get a guy you know Alex Mack another veteran who might be thinking about just trying to get to the Super Bowl you know he went in the Super Bowl to the Super Bowl in 2016 with the Falcons I think he's 36 or 37, but 36, I think, which as we've seen with Andrew Whitworth is not the end of times necessarily. So Alex Mack is one of those potential veteran options at center. And then Austin Corbett, you, you know, you already know that he can play right guard pretty well. He had some issues there, but I think that that alone would be enough like for the Rams to say, see, we didn't have to do a lot. And if they don't do a lot, you know, their depth, uh, what could include Joseph Noteboom, and uh, he was able to 
fill in pretty well at left tackle. So that's a decent number six offensive lineman. You know, if you don't have to start Joe Nopum, Joe Nopum, you know, it's, you might have a pretty decent offensive line. So it's looking like that to me for them, uh, them being the L.A. Rams. Let's talk about the defense now and what I have there for the defense. The defensive line, Aaron Donald, Ashawn Robinson, Michael Brockers, you know, for a 3-4 a defense, and those are your three out of the three and the four, it's uh, about as good, I think, as you can hope that it gets. To have Aaron Donald alone, you know, would obviously elevate any defensive line into the conversation of the top 10, if not the top five. Uh, but Ashawn Robinson, a former second-round pick, Michael Brockers, a former first-round pick, you know, Rams fans are intimately familiar with Brockers. Um, but And to have... That comfort level with Donald and Brockers together, and then Ashawn Robinson, if he's able to play a full season next year, as opposed to the partial season that he just had and never really getting that comfortable. You know, we talk about Ashawn Robinson getting comfortable. Um, and I, I do want to discuss JJ Watt and how much that would change this defense, but I want to come back to that at the end. The, the, the Rams' depth at that point on the defensive line, Greg Gaines, Sebastian Joseph Day, not bad depth either. The only player that they're losing is Morgan Fox, and that might be a significant loss. Maybe he's the better one of the better defensive linemen to leave the Rams in the Aaron Donald era, or maybe he's not, you know? Maybe it will find out that a lot of that did have to do with Aaron Donald, but it did seem like when Morgan Fox's playing time increased, so did his production. You know, he didn't fall off. He only seemed to get better. So that might be why his agent is able to get him uh, some good money there on the market. And we'll see what happens there with Morgan Fox. But that's where I think that the, we could talk instead about the Rams maybe being able to sign J.J. Watt for not that much different money, if not less long-term money, who knows, uh, than Morgan Fox. And uh, replacing Morgan Fox with J.J. Watt would be considerable. Looking at the linebackers, uh, that is another area like the interior of the offensive line that is probably seen as one of the two biggest needs on either side of the ball for the Rams depending on what direction they really want to go with their resources this year. Do they, do they feel like that because they have a lot of the thing is that like the offensive line, the Rams have a lot of linebackers to choose from. It's just a matter of, do they have any greats? Uh, do they have any um, really, really fantastic linebackers? On the inside, you might be looking at Micah Kaiser. Most pushback I got was putting Troy reader with the starters, some people would have said, I don't know, Traven Howard or uh, Kenny Young or Justin Hollins, maybe. But, uh, you know, that is maybe the where the Rams want to go in the second round, 57th overall. Again, I don't think that you should ever go in there thinking, I need to find my starter here. But I do think that the Rams, um, with regards to inside linebacker or an off-ball linebacker, that's where you are going to increase your odds uh, a little bit, I think, for having an earlier contributor. But we saw plenty of rookie first-round linebackers, you know, second-round linebackers this year, other years, who didn't come out of the gate and start right away. So we can't expect the Rams to do that, uh, but I think it's definitely on the table. Terrell Lewis, his season, you know, whether or not he stays healthy will impact his value. And the fact that there's very little, you know, in the Rams confidence poll that I posted on Saturday, very little belief uh, that Terrell Lewis can stay healthy next year. So 
that's where you start looking at it and go, okay, well, Traven Howard missed the whole year. Micah Kaiser has missed a whole year before. Um, Terrell Lewis is a constant injury concern. Troy Reader makes you shaky in the knees. Maybe he doesn't uh, tear your knees, but he makes you shaky in the knees at the thought of him, you know, having to go in and play a whole season as a starter, I suppose. Justin Holland's completely inexperienced. Kenny Young, you know, limited, it would seem, when he has gotten opportunities. Ogbania Okoronkwo, Justin Lawler. I mean, that's my linebacker corpse here for the Rams. So it falls apart pretty quickly, and uh, that's where you would think maybe – Maybe they do want to keep Leonard Floyd. You know, maybe they will prioritize keeping Leonard Floyd. He does make a difference in that rotation there uh, without him, but maybe they want to let Leonard Floyd go get a bigger free agent deal somewhere else and keep rotating that spot out with different players as they have for the last couple of years here. And I do have hope for, you know, guys like Lewis and Hollins, um, but I would say that that is certainly where the Rams can probably start looking is that linebacker here for one of their top offseason needs, maybe even a higher priority than the interior of the offensive line, just because of how they performed there last year and the quality of coaching I have to give to uh, Aaron Cromer for his consistent production there, kind of. Um, and starting in the secondary here with the cornerbacks, uh, we can talk about the guy that I said was, you know, the best cornerback in the NFC West, if not the NFL, Jalen Ramsey. That sets the tone in the back end immediately. Darius Williams is a restricted free agent. And then they have to make a decision with Troy Hill in the slot cornerback position. You know, Troy Hill did a lot of things for the Rams in the last four or five years. And that's a, that's a big role to fill. And maybe Terrell Burgess was drafted with that in mind. You know, we talk about how the Rams and Les Snead always, you know, plan ahead by a year, draft the guy that they want to fill in and and maybe Terrell Burgess wasn't the fill in for John Johnson. Maybe it was a fill in for Troy Hill. It was slot cornerback and and his and Terrell Burgess's versatility was a big sticking point or a big not a sticking point, the opposite of a sticking point, a big um falling off point. Also falling off sounds like the wrong thing too. Uh for why he was drafted when he was drafted and what why people have hope for Terrell Burgess is his versatility. So, you know, the other guy is David Long, a third-round pick in 2018, and he hasn't managed to really uh, have an impact yet throughout his uh, NFL career as a cornerback. Dante Dion, another guy who's probably not going to pin a lot of hope on Dante Dion. He just happens to be one of the guys on the uh, signed to a futures contract and, and the Rams don't have much cornerback depth. So it could be that the Rams also, you know, they have to look at the cornerback position or they have to find a way to keep Troy Hill around, or maybe because they have Stafford, they feel like they'll get a veteran cornerback, which I think there's going to be a number of veteran cornerbacks. There typically are who are going to be still have some value and they'll come back and give, you know, the Rams, uh, come, you know, come around and maybe give the Rams more value than a lot of people hope and maybe not want to sign for a lot of money if they're just looking for a chance to get to the Super Bowl. 
And then again, a need at safety. You've got, I have Juju Hughes as the starting free safety and Jordan Fuller as the starting strong safety. I mean, I don't know if Jordan Fuller would be the free safety. I don't know if Terrell Burgess would be the free safety. I don't know if Taylor Rapp would be the strong safety. I don't know if Nick Scott would be involved as the free safety. You know, there are a lot, there's a lot of guessing games here in February as far as uh, who the Rams would prioritize and who they would like the most. But at this point, you know, with John Johnson as a free agent, that does leave a considerable hole, just as uh, the Troy Hill does, uh, exit does. So the Rams do have, I think, secondary needs. And, you know, signing J.J. Watt may not fill their needs in the secondary, but I think what it does do is uh, make them so good up front that it will mitigate some of what they may lack in the secondary next year. I think that that has worked for certain teams. I think it helps the 49ers, or it helped the 49ers in 2019, uh, to have such a strong front seven, and it helped their back end. Some of the guys that didn't always shine as much as they did in the last couple of years, I think. So uh, by signing J.J. Watt, you know, you look at the defense again, and then it's like, okay, the defensive line, you know, it's Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, and Ashawn Robinson. And maybe they cut Michael Brockers, maybe they don't. You know, they wouldn't necessarily have to, I think. Uh, I think that J.J. Watt wouldn't be looking for a ton of money. I don't think he's looking to put a team into a financial situation where they can't improve. I think he wants to get into a situation, you know, J.J. Watt's, image is very it seems to be very important to jj watt and that image is i'm a winner i'm a team player i I work my ass off i came to win i don't come here to lose i'm the penal i'm the ultimate i don't want to say penultimate that's incorrect uh i'm the ultimate uh guys guy dream football player that you want on your team and that means that J.J. Watt's not going to go to a team that's losing. And that's not gonna means, that means that J.J. Watt's not going to go to a team where he's afraid he's not going to get to the playoffs. And he wants to go to a team where he thinks, I feel like I've got a pretty clear path, at least to the conference championship game. J.J. Watt's never played in a conference championship game. He's never been anywhere near the Super Bowl. Money, he's not going to do anything, I think, that restricts the team that's signing him from signing him if he's choosing them to win. So, you know, there are winning teams that have more money than the Rams. I don't know if they're necessarily as great of a fit for J.J. Watt. And I know that they don't have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And we start talking about now the Rams defense has Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt. And by the way, I think a lot of the perception, there's a thing where the perception of J.J. Watt, I think, has outweighed uh, the reality of J.J. Watt. And I only care about the reality of J.J. Watt. The reality of J.J. Watt is that, yes, he suffered some major injuries in his late 20s that caused him to miss several seasons, pretty much. And he has escaped the most of the NFL fan consciousness because for the last five years, he's been uh, hard to find. And, and then you look at it again, though, and I would say you look at J.J. Watt. And last season, he played over a thousand snaps on the Texans. He played for one of the worst teams in the NFL. He had almost no sack opportunities. He was surrounded by talentless defensive linemen, mostly talentless linebackers, secondary. They were trailing in the games. Teams were running on them in the second half. Deshaun Watson, you know, he put up a lot of his numbers in the second half, making games look more competitive than they were if they hadn't fallen in a hole early in the game. 
He he had the most sacks on his team because he's the best player by far. I mean, he's 31 years old, 32, 32 years old this year, I think. It's not ideal if you're talking about, hey, yeah, of course you'd rather have J.J. Watt at 24 if you're talking about building like, well, what's this going to look like for the next 10 years? But I'm talking about next season. And the Rams are only talking about next season. I think because the Rams are only talking about next season, that's going to appeal to J.J. Watt because he only cares about next season right now. How can he get to the Super Bowl right now? And if you've got a team that's willing to trade two future first-round picks to get better at the quarterback position right now, I think that that's going to appeal to a guy like J.J. Watt, and he's going to the number one defense in the NFL, and he's going to play with a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he knows to be pairing together six Defensive Player of the Year awards on a defense that also has a Defensive Player of the Year candidate in the quarterback position. Only people, I only teams I think can compete with that would be the Packers and... The Chiefs, if they somehow could do that, I don't buy the Steelers. I don't know why J.J. Watt would go to a sinking ship just so we could play with T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's got his own life. J.J. Watt's got his own life. I understand. It's like, oh, that'd be cool. That's cool when you're 36. J.J. Watt is not as old and dead as a lot of people seem to think. In 2018, he had 16 sacks in 16 games. He was a all-pro first team. He was up there for Defensive Player of the Year two years ago when Aaron Donald won it. He had a a half season the next year where he was exceptionally productive, and then he played a full year last year. He kept sticking and grinding it out for a shit team and a shitty organization, and now he's a free agent. And you look at that at the Rams' defense, yes, I think it changes them, and I think it keeps them on top as the top defense in the NFL, or at least, you know, uh, you know, that's a high expectation, but, uh, I think that it, it, it signals that the Rams are a, not just a super, I mean, a super bowl contender and then some. So, uh, that's where I see the Rams, uh, off season needs at interior off, uh, interior offensive line linebackers inside linebackers for sure. Uh, weak side, strong side, um, a slot cornerback, maybe Terrell Burgess changes the, the outlook there tremendously and maybe some safety help depending on what they decide to do with John Johnson. But I think JJ Watt would be a good signing for the Rams. That's it for this episode of pod TST. Thank you for listening and come back next week for another episode.